My guest today is a very distinguished man. Uh, he has a degree from Berkeley, Cal, if you, if you will, in molecular biology and immunology. Is that correct, yeah. sir? That is, um, right. yeah, and I'm putting it to wonderful use every day. The longtime voice of the Bakersfield Blaze. Uh, he is father to Asher, husband to Jessica, Dr. Jessica Besbris. And um, so you're, you're such a great parent, Dan. You posted a video on social media recently of your is, – how old is Asher? He's, he's three, right? He's not four uh, yet. About two and a half, actually. Almost, almost three. Okay. I, I was right in the ballpark. Doing the Parkman shimmy from Major League Two. <laughs> I wondered if how many people were actually going to get that reference on Twitter, and the answer was not as many as I'd hoped. It doesn't matter. You're doing it for your audience, and if they if they can't figure it out, that's that's bad on them. But the reason we're talking today is he is the editor slash publisher of Hoopball. Is it Hoopball dot? It's Hoopball dot com, right? Yeah, hoop. The website, unfortunately, is hoop dash ball dot com because there are squatters on the internet. That still happens, by the way. Wow. Uh, uh, on the the one without the hyphen. But yeah, basically anything that happens over at Hoopball uh, on the audiovisual side is is under my domain. My reign of terror has begun. A great reign of terror. Hey, if we could have a, more Berkeley people with reigns of terror, I think the world would be a better place. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. So it, it correct me if I'm wrong. Started as a fantasy site and you've begun to kind of fold in a lot more content on it. Like I, I think it was about six months between my first trip and my second trip to hoops, hoop ball.com. And am I, am I wrong in seeing you guys? No, you right. added a, you added a lot of content. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, so it's the pet project of, uh, Aaron Bruski, who was one of the lead fantasy writers on the basketball side of Roto world for many years. Uh, and he, just sort of got a tickle for starting his own site. He wanted to sort of try new things. And so the fantasy was the core uh, because that was kind of what everybody knew him as. He figured that that was the nice way to say, okay, this is what I've done. People are going to recognize this, but I want to do these other things. And so a lot of that was the interactive side with uh, video shows and, and question and answer sessions. Uh, but it has, like you said, it's also expanded into both DFS and team coverage and uh, so there's a Lakers show. Uh, there's a there was a King show for a while. That one's actually in a, a hiatus at the moment. There's a Nets show. There's coverage on the Raptors, the Blazers. It's not a unfortunately so far. It's not the entire uh, gamut. But if folks want it, to, it's a nice way right now to kind of break into the industry. And uh, so we're always looking for folks that want to cover a team over there at Hoop Ball too. I'll put it out as a, a recruiting call here. Dan at hoop ballcom Send your cards and letters to. To Mr. Besbris. Now, what what's your your official? Are you like are you the overseer kind of? You the editor on this stuff? What's your official title in your capacity right now? I know you do a lot of fantasy stuff. I, I follow you on Twitter, but now obviously in the off season, no fantasy basketball. So you're kind of more locked in on some of the things we're going to talk about with regard to player movement and draft and free agency stuff. Yeah, this is kind of a nice time for us at Hoopball to, to work on big projects behind the scenes, you know, website redesigns, new features, uh, new tools. There's going to be some pretty cool stuff uh, for the fantasy nuts starting in probably September. Uh, but yeah, the offseason is is real basketball rumor time, really. I, I think technically my title is uh, director of interactive and assistant general manager, but honestly, it's uh, anything that has a voice or a face on it is is kind of what I'm in charge of over here. So 
Uh, yeah, it's it's tracking rumors right now. It's it, hopefully I'm I'm helping people kind of read between the lines on all of the leaks that are coming out. Uh, and I worked on the Lakers show myself with some friends for a while, so I do still have kind of a, a couple of fingers in that one. This is actually this is really fun for me because all this is because I don't have to. It's not work right now. Uh, during right. the it's fun during the season too. Obviously, I love doing the fantasy stuff, but there's a measure of uh, kind of there's like a mandate, so to speak, where I've got to be piped in every second, or I'm going to miss the next pickup, or I'm going to miss the the trade opportunity. Whereas right now, if I tune out for two hours, it's not the end of the world. And when I tune back in, I can see what sort of insanity is broken. And I mean, I, I don't want to date the recording time of this podcast necessarily, but right before you hit the the red button. There was breaking news in the NBA world. So it's kind of right. It's cool that NBA is, a, is 365 days a year. And this is a nice time for me to, to just kind of ease off the accelerator and have a little fun with it. He's got the pain threshold of a hockey player. He looks like a football player. He broadcast baseball for several years. But you're, you're, you're a basketball guy through and through, Dan. So let's hop in the DeLorean, get it up to 88 miles per hour, go back a couple of weeks. 2019 NBA Finals, Toronto and Golden State. Uh, the Raptors win in six, led by Kawhi Leonard. Thoughts on the Toronto victory? It was awesome. Uh, and that's not a slight on anything that happened to Golden State. Obviously, it was a really tough way for the Warriors to have their season finish up, to lose uh, two of their their top four guys. Uh, but it was really cool. I, I loved that Toronto sort of rolled the dice a couple of times. Masai Ujiri did uh, amazing things. He showed incredible stones as the GM of that club, making the trade for Kawhi, which was kind of a no-brainer, but also, you know, you had to send away one of your your longtime fixtures in DeMar DeRozan, making the midseason trade for Marcus Gasol, who, let's be honest, he basically was brought into that team to defend Joel Embiid. That was a that was a, a one-shot because they didn't really need him that much in the other series. Uh, he helped anchor the defense, to be sure. But the, the, the impact he had was on Embiid, and they did it. So forget asterisks for a minute. The teams that win the finals are often the teams that are the healthy ones. The Warriors did it to the Cavs a couple years ago when they were down Kyrie and Kevin Love. Uh, the Cavs kind of did it back to the Warriors after, you know, groin shot gate or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and now it happened to the Warriors again. Where you hate to see guys go down for that long-term stuff. That is that is a real pisser, and it's dramatically going to impact free agency here in a couple of days. Uh, but kudos to Toronto. The defense that they played from the second game of the playoffs until the championship trophy was hoisted was truly impressive, better than I ever expected. I, I thought the Warriors were probably still going to win that thing even without KD uh, it was too much, obviously, with Clay out, um, but Toronto did it, man. They did it, uh, and Kawhi Leonard solidified himself as one of the best players in the NBA. They, the North, the pride of Riverside King, Kawhi Leonard. Now, you made a great point about Masai Ujiri. You just came back from Vegas. You and the wife took a weekend, I believe, in Vegas, from what you told me. Um, <laughs> and I think what he proved is scared money never wins because had he not made the deal for Kawhi, People would have said, oh, it would have been great, but you don't want to give up your, your franchise guy. He gave up, in essence, his franchise guy and now may have put himself back in the market for another franchise player in Kawhi. We'll get to that when we talk free agency. Um, with regard to Golden State, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, which is bad, I know, for a podcast. Um, the injuries obviously hurt him. 
would Golden State have won the series with Kevin Durant? I think it's fair to speculate they would have, but it didn't happen, so we don't know. Maybe they, it would have gone both ways. Question one, and this is, I know you don't feel this way, but on the hot take circuit, <laughs> uh, there is it, remember something, I'm old enough to remember the, you know, the Lakers 88-89 when they lost to the Pistons in 89 and they didn't have Byron Scott and Magic Johnson. Nobody cares about that now. They're still the bad boy Pistons. Is is the title for Toronto tainted because of the lack of Kevin Durant and some of the other injuries? You know, the Kevon Looney injury, obviously, the Clay Thompson injury, which I think was the biggest one. I believe if Clay Thompson's healthy in Game 6, we have see a Game 7. Not saying Toronto couldn't have won the Game 7, but he's just so important to that club. Give me, give me your perspective, Dan. No, not tainted at all. Uh, these these things happen, and Toronto. First of all, they had to get there. Uh, they beat the team with the best record in the NBA, Milwaukee, and they beat them handily. I do agree with you. I think if Golden State is fully healthy, KD and Clay Thompson, they do win that series. Uh, I also agree with you that if Clay is healthy for the rest of Game Six, then we see a Game Seven. He was doing his Game Six thing. Clay Thompson is. Now, historically, one of the best game six playoff performers in the history of the NBA. Uh, but he wasn't and they weren't. And, you know, they they tried to load manage these guys during the regular season. They got their rest days. Freak injuries happen. And Toronto managed to stay healthy. I mean, Toronto needed to get massive contributions from Freddie Van Fleet on top of Kawhi, who, by the way, was very good in the finals, but was actually better in the other series that they played. Uh, they needed more from the other guys, arguably because of Clay Thompson. He did a wonderful job on him. So, no, I don't think you put a taint on anything. They won it. They won four games. The Warriors only won two. It didn't end up being that close once all of the whatever injuries shake out. And maybe the most important point, and I kind of saved it for the end of the rant, is... Toronto wasn't fully healthy. They just didn't have the fully debilitating injury. I mean, Kawhi was basically playing on one leg for the better part of two and a half series in the playoffs. So they handled it better. They Their their limbs held up a little bit better. I don't know exactly why. I'm just going to call it luck. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess you could argue that maybe Kevin Durant was mismanaged a little bit. Uh, and they're the champions. And like you said, you're, we're going to look back in 20 years and Toronto's going to be the champion, and no one's going to be saying, yeah, but. They won it, and they deserved it. They the North, they the champions. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call an audible here because I set the draft up, but we did have a trade come down, so we'll jump right down to that. We are in Los Angeles. The Lakers complete the Anthony Davis deal. First of all, give me your overall assessment of the trade in and of itself between New Orleans, between the Lakers, and now with the, with the Wizards involved. Everyone is way too worried about what the Lakers give up in terms of uh, picks for the future. This is my take on this. I think that a lot of folks that are outside of this L.A. bubble are mistakenly feeling like the Lakers care about an actual building, uh, a building of a team from the inside out. That's not that important for a franchise that is very much a binary result to an NBA season. Either they're the champion or it's garbage. So having a really good team built with good young players grown from the inside, take Milwaukee, for example. Their Milwaukee was amazing this year. They had the best record in the NBA. If that team played in Los Angeles this year, people would be saying pretty close to the same stuff at the end of the season. 
that they did when the Lakers finished under 500. It wasn't a championship. And so for this team, you're absolutely going to mortgage everything. And they did. They now, at the end of this little extra uh, portion of the trade that that just broke on Thursday, uh, they, know, they now have nobody left on their roster. It, it's just LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kyle Kuzma. They sent their last three young guys out, Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, and Jamario Jones. They're going to the Wizards to clear out another four to four and a half million dollars in cap space. Anthony Davis waves his trade kicker of four million dollars and the Lakers thir- 24 million in cap space jumps up to 32, which is what they need to sign the max free agent. The other side of this, and, and this is coming from the lens of someone who's watched the Lakers for the better part of his life and you know what I can remember of them. Uh, the other part of this is the reason you go for that third max guy isn't necessarily because your team is going to be better this year with three max guys and a whole bunch of, well, people my age, that's that's veterans minimum, by the way, uh, uh-huh. on the roster. <laughs> Jake, because, Jake, Jake Taylor of hoop ball. Yeah, the exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be I'm going to be bunting and beating it out here at the end of it. Uh, the other reason that you do this, maybe the biggest reason is when LeBron James is 37 and his contract expires in three years. If you now still have two superstars on your roster, you take LeBron's $40 million and you could go get a new third superstar for your roster that I don't know if that happens if in three years it's Anthony Davis and no one else next to him. So there's kind of a double whammy here of why the Lakers needed to just push every single asset they have into the middle of the room. They need to make sure that they've got superstars for eight years instead of four and you know what? In the year 2027, if the Lakers go to the bottom of the barrel again, I think everybody out here in L.A. is going to be OK with that. Uh, so, yes, by the way, it's a good deal for New Orleans. They got as much as humanly possible for Anthony Davis, and it was a lot. But also, yes, it's a good deal for the Lakers because they don't care about being decent some of the time. They want to be amazing as as long as humanly possible, even if it's brief and then garbage after that. And that's how the Lakers operate. So good deal for both sides. Now we just have to wait and see who, if anybody, they get on Sunday. As far as the deal itself, you have to do. If you're the Lakers, you must execute this. Uh, the talent that's available in Anthony Davis, plus the the relationship with Rich Paul is all a secondary thing. You can't screw that up. But this, to me, has been the the uh, the internal struggle with this organization going back five years because. They could have started to build. I think they they missed the playoffs. In, did they miss the playoffs in 2012 or did they make the playoffs? Uh, I believe they've missed it now for six years. In okay, so going back to 2013. So they had an opportunity to build that core, which they'd started to do. But obviously the first obstacle was, what do you do with Kobe Bryant? You can't just cast him off. He's an all-time Laker. So you need to kind of work around him. And that probably cost Byron Scott his job because he wasn't able to really develop the young guys. And then the new administration comes in with this young core. And listen, with a young core, and you're a baseball guy, so you understand this, you do one of two things. You develop them and you grow them and you try to win with them. Or you develop them, grow them, and try to trade them with, as the Lakers have done to build you know, the super team they're trying to build with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and a third max player. Um, you mentioned the deal today with the Wizards. You explained very eloquently the salary cap scenario. What do you, what do you, ta- what's your take on the, the, the notion that Palenka and the, the people weren't quite 
on board with all the salary cap ramifications when they made the initial deal. Uh, I think that, Anthony, Anthony Davis bailed them out a little bit by leaving that trade kicker on the table. Yeah, I think that this was all just a matter of timing for a lot of it. I, I, I do believe the Lakers understood uh, what the, the cap hit was, and I believe that they basically just got raked over the coals for everything they had. Uh, the arguments, and I know what you're talking about. I saw them all over the NBA Twitter sphere, which was like, oh, the Lakers didn't know that they had to execute this on the 30th. I don't think that New Orleans was ever going to make that uh, a possibility because right. they wanted to move that number four pick and whatever team got that guy was going to want that dude to play in summer league. And mm -hmm. if trade isn't executed until the 30th, that player wouldn't play in summer league. So uh, I think the Lakers just kind of had to take uh, what it was. Um, I, I don't know that maybe they could have negotiated to give away slightly fewer picks than they did. Uh, but I don't think executing the trade on July 30th was ever really on the table. And so they, the Lakers always had to make this extra move, which was get the young guys into a third team, clear out the space, and then basically say to Anthony Davis, hey, look, we're not going to ask you to waive your trade kicker unless we know for sure we've got a max guy ready to go. We've got our young guys out of here. You are the last domino, Anthony, because we don't want to alienate you this needs to be, look, we're going to get all of our ducks in a row before we say, hey, okay, this is it. If you wave your trade kicker, you know, whoever it is, Kawhi, Kyrie, Kemba, this guy's going to sign on the dotted line. But until that moment, Anthony Davis's money had to stay AD's money. I think that it, a lot of it was internal optics, and I think people were sort of rushing to judgment before they kind of looked at it from the Lakers' perspective of making sure AD resigns in a year. Uh, last one for you on this thing. The the blow up, the Palenka Magic blow up, obviously Magic Johnson leaving the organization to leave it in the hands of Rob Palenka, the former member of the Michigan Wolverines. You know, he was on the national championship team in 89 and then played with the Fab Five. What did you make of that battle? Uh, just a couple of alpha dogs, a misunderstanding. Was there something real going on there? That What was the dynamic that you felt that led to that separation? Uh, as... As a Magic fan, I'm hurting right now because the more things the Lakers do that seem not dysfunctional, that seem, you know, borderline functional, like I'll, I'll, I'll throw a few little things out there. One, the extra portion of the trade that was executed uh, to clear out the max room. Two, the trade itself. Uh, even if you say the Lakers gave up too much stuff, they still just got Anthony Davis. Uh, three, Bringing in veteran assistant coaches, I, I know the Jason Kidd thing is a little bit goofy, but uh, Lionel Hollins, who for all of his warts as, as a head coach, is fairly well respected in the league. Uh, I know they're trying to pry away uh, Golden State's defensive guru. These little things that they're doing right now that almost seem like they have a grasp on the world around them were not things we saw happening when Rob and Magic were going head to head. Now, it leads me to two possible outcomes here. One is a lot of the dysfunction was because Rob and Magic were both trying to get the other one squeezed out. Or two, Magic just wasn't really invested with the Lakers outside of the outward facing kind of the marketing face of the team. And his decision making was flawed because he wasn't doing the work and the research that needed to be done. And right now, 
I feel like it's the latter. I feel like magic might have actually been the problem. And as a diehard magic fan, and you know, he's like the mayor here in Los Angeles, it kills me. Uh, I hope that's not what it turns out to be, but they sure look like they're sorting things out now that he's gone. The $32 million in cap space, Dan, as we spin into the free agency aspect of the conversation, what do the Lakers do with it? What do you think they should do with it? What realistically can they do with it? Well, we, you know, we're seeing reports that they are going to get a meeting with Kawhi Leonard. I, I don't think that's going to happen. It doesn't seem like the kind of place that that he would want to be based on his kind of story arc right now. He went to Toronto. He won one with the Raptors. The thing that makes the most sense is for him to run it back with Toronto. But well, I'm not going to get sidetracked with that for just a minute here. Uh, in terms of the players that I, I think the Lakers have an actual chance to give that max to, I would think that Kyrie and Kemba would be the two that make the most sense. Um, obviously, you want Kawhi if he agrees to it. I just I don't see that as a viable option on the table. I, I'd, be, I'd be thrilled if they proved me wrong as a Laker fan. I just don't think it's happening. Uh, Kemba makes a lot of sense. They traded away Lonzo Ball, so they need a starting point guard, someone that can space the floor, shoot off of screens, someone that can play in that capacity. Kyrie obviously makes a lot of sense because he's played with LeBron before. He's been linked strongly to the Brooklyn Nets, although we've also heard rumors that if the Nets aren't getting Kevin Durant, then they might want to just hold off and try to go for uh, D'Angelo Russell and maybe a big man. So I, I don't know how this is all going to shake out. The rumors are all conflicting. If I had my pick, if I'm the Lakers, Kawhi Leonard would be priority number one. When, I'm not even saying if, when that doesn't happen, I think you take aim at uh, the two max point guards in Kyrie and Kemba. If those don't pan out, I think you look a little farther down the list to guys like Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler. Uh, but then you're starting to get into the spot where is it really a good fit or are you getting a max guy just because you can? Does D'Angelo Russell figure into this equation at any, any point, Dan Vespers? Unfortunately, he does. And I'm going to get a lot of hate for this because I know the D'Angelo Russell uh, name, just the name is so damn polarizing. He was much better this year. I'm going to say it the same way I have uh, on my own show. Uh, he was much better this year. There's no arguing that he made strides. His decision making took a big step forward. He also wasn't close to as good this year as the world would kind of have you believe. I don't like it as a fit. I, I think it ends up tying up too much of the Lakers money. He's not a superstar in the way that you need guys to attract other talent. So if he's the guy on the books with Anthony Davis when LeBron's contract expires, I don't think that an A.D. D'Angelo Russell pairing is the kind of pair that can go attract a third big name where an A.D. Kyrie or an A.D. Kemba pairing, I think it does carry a lot more weight. Uh, if the Lakers miss out on the, the big name Max guys, I know nostalgia is going to say go get D'Angelo Russell, but I really hope they don't. I think that's a spot where you pivot and you go get, you know, two you know, $11 million guys or a, a $16 million guy and an $11 million guy, whatever it takes to make sure you have good defensive energy at the point guard and shooting guard spots, guys that can play off the ball a little bit better than D'Angelo can. Uh, you, you give yourself the kind of flexibility you need in the short term uh, and then maybe go for somebody big the following offseason. So that I don't I don't like the D'Angelo Russell look, but I'm also resigned to the idea that it very well might happen. Any thoughts on the 
thing that came out the last couple of days that it was really Magic who kind of didn't want Russell and Palenka actually right liked him, or is that is that just kind of trying to patch up maybe some of the damage that was done when he was shipped out of here? Yeah, I think you're doing a nice job of reading between the lines on that one. They he had worn out his welcome in L.A. by the time he got shipped away. I feel like everybody's sort of. I mean, and they gave him away. Big, you know, they just gave him away. Yeah, it was they crazy. just had to, they used him as as a chip to get Timofey Mozgov's contract off the books, which right. at the time made a lot of sense. You knew you were going to have to give up something good uh, to get rid of the remaining. I mean, there was still like forty million dollars on Mozgov's contract at that yeah. point, and it did allow them to sign LeBron. So you know, it 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 made a lot of sense. But you know, D'Angelo. He wasn't showing the growth that they were hoping in his in the early part of his career. And admittedly, he was very young at the time. Uh, but he had rubbed Lakers fans the wrong way uh, with the whole Nick Young, uh, Iggy Azalea situation. I mean, I don't think people were all that upset to see him go at the time. So, yes, that that's very much uh, a spin. Yes, Magic probably was the one who ultimately said this is this is the move we got to make. And he, Magic was not so kind on the way out. He did kind of take a few shots at D'Angelo after the trade happened. But this is all just, like you said, a way to clear the decks in case that's the direction that they end up moving in free agency. But as I said, I really hope that they don't. I hope that the Lakers can step back and say, listen, if he was never a Laker before, would we be that interested in him right now? And I think the answer is probably no. I want you to role play a little bit. Um, I know, I know, uh, Jessica, don't worry. It's, it's completely (laughs) a hypothetical about sport. Um, you are Masai Ujiri and what's the offer you put on the table for Kawhi Leonard? I'm interested to see what the nuance is. Do you just go straight max or do you try to finesse it a little bit, understanding that he's going to be able to field offers from a number of of pretty prominent teams? I think you got to, you got to go full max, uh, Toronto's books are so weird kind of amazing actually their books are are either brilliant or idiotic or I, I honestly don't know where it falls they have a ton of money tied up for this coming 1920 nba season and then there's basically nothing their roster is just gone at the end of this coming year it's remarkable they can go to a complete and total rebuild or they can go try to bring in a brand new set of superstars after this year. So I think you might as well, if you're Toronto, just offer Kawhi anything he wants and say, hey, uh, we'll run it back for one more year because Marcus Gasol already opted into his deal. He did. He did we got sure. everybody. They got everybody back, basically. I think Danny Green's, I think, the only dude, the only guy who played a, a relevant role in that team that's coming off the books. Uh, and then the following year, we'll bring in all sorts of new guys. You can recruit. We'll, we'll start fresh. I don't. I, I think if Kawhi Leonard does stay in Toronto, it's going to be a short-term deal. It'll be a one-and-one. One. Uh, he's two years away now from hitting that that ten-year veteran super duper max, whatever they call it. So for him, unless he's truly worried about his thigh, whatever degenerative thing they were saying he he did or did not have in San Antonio, if if he believes he's going to stay healthy for two plus more years in his NBA career. It makes a lot of sense for him to go big money short term, keep his flexibility open and then sign a gigantic deal in about two years. We'll, we'll see what happens though. I, I Kawhi is a really tough guy to read. I, I thought he was going to the Clippers last week. This week, I thought he was staying with Toronto for one more year. 
if my brain is in Kawhi's body, I'm staying in Toronto. I'm running it back for one more season. But I don't think I don't think the gears in my head are are clicking the same way that they are in his. So I, I really don't know if you're Toronto. You offer him anything he wants and you do whatever he asks of you at this point because he's really freaking good. I, I, I'm really impressed at how it started with the Durant deal, how teams now have really learned how to weaponize that player option. You know, because in the past, people were reluctant to give a player option because, you know, I, you know, I signed Dan Vespers for a year with an option and then he goes and leaves. But the way you can finesse it now, exactly what you spoke about with Toronto, you front load the first year of the deal, give him a second year player option. You still get that space in the second year. If he declines your option, that's money you can go use to get somebody else. You know, and then you get to run that championship team back out there, and that, that's what I wonder about Kawhi. Is <clears throat> you know the wor- that was the it was like the worst kept secret in the league was that LeBron was coming to the Lakers. Now I've been hearing for two years how Kawhi wants to play for the Clippers. But do you go back and defend the title? You have that one last shot, and then you do it all over again a year later. Now again, you're right; the injury is going to play into it, and you don't know who's in his ear. Maybe somebody will tell him, you know, you don't want to deal with the the uncertainty year after year after year. But for some guys, he's – I mean, I don't, I don't know him at all. But Kawhi strikes me as the kind of guy who's kind of year to year anyway. So it wouldn't be a, unheard of for him to go, let's re-up with the Raptors for a year and then we'll go do it all over again. That makes sense, right? To you I, and I, it does. It's not our money. But to you and I, it does. Yeah, exactly. You and I, we're sitting here going, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you write it down on paper. This one seems to add up the most. But who the hell knows what he's going to decide in a couple of days? He's. Uh, we also heard that he might not make a final decision for two or three days, even into the moratorium period. So if that's if if he and and Durant are the two dominoes that everybody's waiting for, we may end up having a really quiet Sunday. Uh I, this is this is crazy. I mean, this I'm so excited for this free agency. It's it's maybe the most interesting we've ever had. I, I'm just like I'm out of my mind with excitement, and it's gonna kill me when I have to wait until Tuesday or Wednesday to find out where everybody's going. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Durant a couple times. What's what do you think his his list looks like? You, depending on who you read, which NBA columnist you look at, some are saying it's either Golden State or the Knicks. Others are saying, you know what, Golden State and the Knicks are kind of the prohibitive favorites, but there are other teams that could slide in and uh, bid for his services. I was fairly certain it was the Knicks for a very long time, uh, but that looks like it's evaporated. Uh, to me, they actually still make the most sense for both sides. I, and I, I maybe I'm yelling into the void on this one, but it, it seems like nobody else wants to go to the Knicks this year, which is fine. They could give Kevin Durant this massive deal, let him sit out a season. Go ahead, tank for a year, New York. I don't care what you do. Then they've got a good story for their fan base. Hey, we got Kevin Durant, and he's going to play as soon as he's healthy. You guys just got to chill. We're going to tank for a year. We're going to get another sweet draft pick, and then that dude will come with KD, and it gives Kevin a whole year to recruit. So if he really does want to start his own thing, the Knicks actually make a lot of sense. But we've heard him linked more so uh, to the Nets lately to join up with Kyrie, who's also been linked to the Nets. Uh, all that to say, I don't have a freaking clue. He's another one that's just, you know, Golden State can offer him that extra year on the max deal, which I think right now might move them into the driver's seat because that 
year 35 season for him where he's making 55 mm-hmm. euro million dollars yep. with this Achilles thing. Even if he thinks that maybe they should have forced him to sit in that playoff game, that's $50 million. I don't know if he's getting somewhere else. That's not, it's not a small amount of money uh, for someone who's won championships. He, he may be thinking more about just having enough financial security for the rest of his life to kick back and enjoy. Uh, and so maybe you put the Warriors back in the driver's seat right now. I, I think if I, if you asked me two days ago, I would have said Nets. If you asked me six days ago, I would have said Knicks. Today, I think I'm saying he's staying with the Warriors and taking the Supermax. Uh, we touched on Kemba. We touched on Kyrie a little bit. Uh, Jimmy Butler, any thoughts? Uh, the Houston stuff. <laughs> what I, I tweeted it first thing this morning when I saw, uh, well, yesterday, Wednesday, I should say, the, the rumor started swirling that Houston was trying to complete a sign-and-trade with Philly to bring Jimmy Butler to the Rockets, which sounds like a locker room disaster. Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul in the same locker room, heaven help them. Uh, I don't, I don't know that that's something that Philly really wants. I feel like they'd rather have Butler on their team. He, he, you know, he proved himself to be either their best or second best player in the playoffs uh, alongside Joel Embiid. Uh, so I think if Philly can re-sign him, they'll do that. They have the cap room to do it. Uh, but then this morning, I saw that the odds of where Jimmy Butler plays his first game next year, Houston was even money as the betting favorite right now. And I thought, is there any chance that all this stuff gets leaked because someone wanted to put a bunch of money on him staying in Philadelphia? Like, uh, that's fair. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit goofy. I'm okay with that. If that, you know, if people are moving the market around with leaks, have at it. Uh, I don't, I don't think that Houston completes this deal. I don't think it makes a ton of sense for either side. He's not a, a floor spacing sort, which is kind of, really the way they've built their team around James Harden. Good luck to those three guys figuring out who's actually going to control the basketball at any given moment. He makes more sense in Philly uh, as a, a closer that can kind of dribble drive and, and go do stuff quickly where, you know, if Embiid's having any knee issues in particular. Um, I think Jimmy Butler actually makes a lot of sense for the Knicks. We haven't heard him linked there. He seems like that kind of alpha guy that would go want to start their own thing. Um, right now, I think if you ask me where he's playing next year, I would say he's staying in Philadelphia. Any thoughts on Julius Randall? Now he, we have heard, we've heard Randall connected to the Knicks. I've thrown all yeah. these names out as guys that probably would be an interesting fit, uh, in, at Madison square garden. Uh, and Julius Randall is the one of all of these names that actually has been linked to the Knicks. Uh, gifted offensive player, doesn't play much defense. Uh, not a guy that's going to help that team win a ton of ball games, uh, certainly more than this last year. But he's to me, Julius Randall has to be, you know, a third or fourth option on a championship level team, but uh, go get some money, Julius. It seems like the Knicks are missing out on all their big targets, so they'll probably overpay him. And uh, I think he does end up with New York. Who's your under the radar free agent that nobody's talking about. That's going to go somewhere and make an impact next year, Dan. Ooh, that's a good question. Can I pick a guy that some people are talking about? Sure. Patrick Beverly. Okay. He's not, he's not super under the radar because, you know, we saw a rumor come out yesterday that he was looking for a three year, $40 million deal. Um, but I think he's in the modern NBA. He is the kind of fit that a ton of championship or or teams with championship aspirations need to be looking at, uh, teams that don't necessarily have a superstar at point guard, 
you know, I would point at the Lakers as a, a, a marvel. Well, I mean, I mean, but but look at what you know, like you're looking at a at a Lowry effect, Kyle Lowry effect with Toronto, correct? Something like that. Yeah, and and less gifted offensively. Lowry can do more on the offensive end, uh, but Beverly's just such a bulldog. And I know right. you know he's starting to get a little bit older. You know, by the end of a three year deal, he'll, he'll be declining. But a guy that can shoot the three and defend. He's a three and D guy at the point guard spot, and uh, to me, that's a, a, a awesome, an awesome ability in the modern NBA, where you've got all the. I mean, look at all the guys we talked about here: uh, Kevin Durant, uh, Kawhi Leonard, all these these hyper talented wing players that don't necessarily want a ball dominant point guard next to them, but also don't want a guy like a Rajon Rondo who's just going to open the door to the bucket. You know, you want a, a right. point guard that can pass a point guard that can spread the floor and a point guard that's going to keep his man in front of him so the defense doesn't break down every time. I think somebody's going to give Pat Beverly some money and I think they're going to be really happy with their investment. We we kind of shifted, we audibled a little bit. I want to jump back to the draft, the NBA draft. I'm okay with the audible. I don't I don't know anything about these rookies. <laughs> you know, okay, well I, what I what I what I wanted to ask you is as far as teams go, what's a team that's going to benefit from some of the moves they've made, whether they be draft, trades, combination, that may, that may surprise us. I mean, Toronto was a surprise in that they won. Everybody was thinking Philadelphia and Milwaukee. But I don't think they really shocked anybody because they'd been good the last couple of years. They just couldn't, you know, uh, put that get make that final step to the top the way they did this year. Is there a team out there in the ether that based on some of the stuff they did in the draft and potential free agent that could rise up like that and maybe challenge in the East or even potentially in the West? Mm, not really uh, in terms of challenging. I, I really like what the Grizzlies are doing just as a, an organization right now to, to get some stuff for Mike Conley to um, extend a qualifying offer to DeLon Wright to get jaw to kind of start things over at their point guard spot. That to me is a team that's doing the rebuild uh, quickly and the right way. You know, they, they, they sort of could have wrote out this Conley Gasol old man squad in Memphis and they blew it up. They blew it up yeah. quickly. And, uh, I think, I think in, in terms of kind of the way teams are built nowadays, I, I got to give credit to the Grizzlies. They, they moved fast. They made moves that I'm sure were hard for their fan bases to stomach. Cause these were, these are the, the stalwarts of that team. But, you know, as soon as the, uh, the Chandler Parsons money is off the books. They can they can go full reset, and I think they got a nice start at it. But in terms of challenging, no, I mean they're going to be they're going to be a lottery team this coming year. But again, you know, one or two years of lottery, if the young guys pan out, they could they could be a very good team by you know twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, and that's faster than a lot of teams can pull it off. In homage to the spirit of Hugh Downs, I, I, who I believe by the way is still alive, let's jump to twenty twenty. Um, uh, I, I made a joke on a basketball broadcast and I looked up and realized he was still alive. So we can, we can honor him as he lives. We need uh, the website is Hugh Downs Wasn't there an Abe Vigoda one for a long time? It was an Abe Vigoda one for a long time. Yeah. 97 years young, Mr. Hugh Downs. Wow. Um, so let's move to next season. Uh, Toronto is the NBA champs, which makes them the Eastern conference champions. Who are the teams we know about Philadelphia? We know about Milwaukee. Is it pretty much a three-horse race in the East next year, Dan? I really hope the Pacers take a step forward. Uh, you know, they won 48 games this year, largely without Victor Oladipo, but they've got a lot of 
uh, question marks this offseason. Darren Collison, free agent. Boyan Bogdanovich, free agent. Thad Young, free agent. So, you know, they have to figure out how they want to build that team going forward. I, I thought Nate McMillan should have gotten more votes for Coach of the Year each of the last two seasons. Uh, that was a team that I was kind of hoping for. And, you know, the, the problem is they went and they they spent some money in free agency last year on guys that that really didn't have any impact for them. And so I don't know that I trust they're going to be able to pull the kind of names that can get them over the hump. So sadly, uh, the short answer to your question is, yeah, it's basically a three horse race. I think even if the Celtics do get Kemba Walker and we've heard them linked over the last day and a half or so, uh, they're still not quite in that same echelon with Bucks and, and uh, you know, Raptors, if Kawhi doesn't come back, they could fall off the, the edge of the map that it might end up being a two horse race in the East before free agency is done. So Bucks. Sixers are still going to be at least good, even if they lose both Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. But I, I frankly think they'll keep at least one of those two guys. Uh, and there's your potential three teams in the top. What if the Nets sign Kyrie and KD? Not good this year, but very good the following. It's I don't think anybody else really sneaks through. If I'm if yeah if if I'm uh, Sean Marks, I'm telling KD, listen, here's the deal: we're going to give you a one and one. You know, we'll give you the 30 whatever million the first year. And if you want to leave, you want to leave. But we, we, we're we going to gamble. Now, it's not my money, Dan. But I think that's a gamble that you, that you make with a, with a guy the caliber of Kevin Durant if you're Brooklyn. And as a lifelong Nets fan, I would love to see a – you know, I, I don't know about Kyrie. I'd almost rather have them keep D'Angelo. But if he brings KD, you obviously can't say no to that. Um, Western Conference, five straight finals for Golden State. We're looking at potentially no Kevin Durant next year, whether he signs or not, because he was going to be injured. And then we don't know what Clay Thompson's prognosis is. He's probably not going to be able to play next season either. What does that mean for the Warriors next year? Obviously, they're not prohibitive favorites. They're still going to be a pretty good team, no? Yeah, and it's funny that it seems like folks are overlooking that. I, you know, the 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 Warriors were uh, fourteen to one to win the championship next year when the numbers opened uh, about two weeks ago, it was quickly bet down by those paying attention to these numbers at, at, you know, in the middle of June. And now I've seen it as low as eight to one or 10 to one, but you know, Clay Thompson heals uh, like Wolverine. He has, he has X-Men like healing abilities. I'm going to assume that he's playing by, by March of next year. And so then all they got to do is sneak in I love the Warriors as kind of like a sneaky pick, which is a weird thing to say for a team that's gone to the finals as many times as they have. Uh, you know, they could squeeze in there as like a six or seven seed, get Clay Thompson back with four weeks before the playoffs start. And then, you know, this year, without Kevin Durant on their team, they were still, you could argue, about tied for the best team in the NBA with the way they were playing the Toronto Raptors. They they beat most of their opponents in the playoffs without KD. Uh, the West is going to be really fun. And if Kawhi Leonard moves to the Western Conference, then you have to bump the Clippers potentially up into that that top grouping of teams as well. Uh, I think the Warriors have a very good shot to make the finals. I actually think the Lakers have a good shot to make the finals. And obviously, you know, unfortunately, the uh, the betting numbers on them are, are not a good value uh, because they're the Lakers and they're always going to be kind of a public team on that side. Uh, but the Warriors have a shot. The Lakers have a shot. The Rockets, I think, will have a shot. I don't know what the hell they're going to do this offseason. The Jazz getting Mike Conley probably puts them into kind of that 1B grouping of teams. 
Will uh, Russell Westbrook finally really let Paul George run things a bit more in Oklahoma City? They could move up into that top grouping. The team I'm worried about, in or the teams, I guess, in that top chunk, can the Nuggets keep up what they started this year and the Trailblazers without an injured Yusuf Nurkic? Can they do as well as they did this last season? I, I think you have to maybe give those teams a little bit of a tick down, uh, but mostly just because a lot of other teams are, are moving up the charts so fast. Dan Bresbis, thanks you, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Before I let you go, uh, I'll tell you a story. Um, so when I was just out of school, I had a corporate job for some you know company back in the day. Yeah, and I was the suit, the suit, and I was the new kid. So we go on a trip. I think it was like it, it, the, the 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 corporate headquarters of the company was in Sacramento. So we go on this trip, and it was an office of like eight people, right? So we go on this trip to Sacramento. And I'm the new guy just out of college. So they're like, hey, it'll be funny if we have him bunk with the boss, you know. So <laughs> the, the, the office had just opened up. So our, our manager wasn't to the point where he was getting his own spot yet. So I'm rooming with the boss. And late in the night, I'm kind of dead asleep. I hear noises. And this guy's kind of stumbling around the room. And he picks up the phone and he dials the phone. And he, he you know, it was a typical, you know, mid nineties guy, you know, like married with the two kids and the, the condo in, uh, in, you know, Coder de Casa or whatever, and calls a woman who's not his wife, trying to get her to come to the hotel, that kind of a thing. Right. So I, I bring that up because it's information I didn't need. I was never going <laughs> to use it against him. And all it did was make me uncomfortable. So there's information I didn't need relevant to our discussion in the, in the, uh, the privacy, uh, uh, limitations of Facebook. So you and I, I we, had, we had some fun with it, but so you and I are friends on Facebook. And when people tag you, you see people who've tagged your friends, right? So when your wife tags you with a picture of Asher, I see that picture. One of your old, I guess you're friends with one of your old uh, junior high teachers on Facebook. Oh my goodness. And yeah, she tagged you and she put up a little project <laughs> that you had done and it was like, you know what? I like Dan. He's a good dude. You know, we 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 talk about the merits of the California pita on Wilshire Boulevard all the time. The lemon chicken is wonderful. I don't know that I need all this information about him in middle school. How <laughs> do, how did you feel about that? Like, because I could I can't be the only one who saw that. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking a lot of people saw it because uh, the the same teacher that that tagged me tagged a bunch of other kids that she had had in that in that same window. So I, I recognize I went to a very small high school at uh, Oakwood school in North Hollywood. Our, our graduating class was only 73. Oh, was that your high school? Was that your high school? You seem younger than high school. Yeah, I think that was, uh, no, yeah, that was, oh boy, that was, um, seven to 12 high school. It, I, I went to the same school K through 12. So that's oh, what, wow. yeah. Um, I think that was fourth grade is what I was telling. It was either fourth or fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I guess all that to say, I knew all the other people that were getting tagged as well, even though they were, you know, a year older or a year younger. So we all knew each other. We all have the same friends on Facebook. Um, I thought it was hilarious. I couldn't believe that I wrote some of that stuff. Some like, sure. it, I mean, I, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking about, you know, maybe there were things you don't want people to know. She okay. shouldn't really be putting it out there. You know, <laughs> I have nothing to hide. I don't. I honestly don't care. I'm a. I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I thought it, I thought it was pretty funny. If there was anything uh, like really weird in it, I'm, I'm hoping that she would not have posted it. But it was 
it seemed pretty harmless. I it, not, if I really didn't want people to see things, I would have, you know, I would have closed my account a long time ago. Basically, the only time I'm on Facebook is when I'm tagged in something. Oh, what did somebody tag me in? Oh, it's something I did in fourth grade. That's unusual, but it was. I thought it was funny. I'm okay with it. Dan Brett, you're a hell of a nice guy because I, I I may have called my attorney and had her try to and had her try to intimidate that teacher posting anything about me. But hey, well, no, you were you were a tough nut in fourth grade. You got you ran with the wrong crowd. And yeah, until until well until now. Um, <laughs> hey man, I, I appreciate it. Listen, we'll have to go get some uh, some uh, pita and lemon chicken at some point. But appreciate your insight. Give us the website again and your Twitter handle if people want to get a hold of you. Sure. The website is hoop-ball.com. Uh, easiest place to follow all of us is on Twitter, though. I'm at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, and then it's at hoopballfantasy, all, all one word on Twitter. That's where all the, uh, the fantasy goodies come out for our NBA stuff. Proving there is life after the Cal League. That's Dan Bespris. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time.